Uh, well, good evening, guys. Good to be back with you guys. For those who may not have known, I was gone this week. Some of you guys were aware, well aware of that, um, but all went well. Um, tonight, I kind of wanted to um, kind of continue from like what we did in Palm Sunday through the Passion Week um, to Easter Sunday and on to like the week that kind of followed the resurrection right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, so much happened in that two-week period. Um, and, and I know that usually after sunrise service or after Sunday uh, Easter service, you know, it's like, okay, back to normal. And, you know, we were away this past week and I've just been praying. It's like, Lord, what do you want me to share on Thursday? Do I go back to Second Kings? And and John chapter 20 just kept on popping up. And, and so, you know, that's kind of where I want to go because there's so much that happened in, in those two weeks from from Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And it was an interesting time because before that, whenever the disciples wanted to put his name out there to do stuff, he always would tell them, hey, hey, just keep keep it down. Hey, my hour hasn't come, so let's just not do much about uh, 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 to do about anything. And and when when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem in that triumphal entry, he 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 let the disciples and the crowds basically crown him as king. Now, again, it, it was a different kind of kingdom that he was setting up, but he allowed them to basically worship him as they shouted out Hosanna in the highest, as they, as they welcomed him as the son of David. And, and, and he was allowing those things to kind of happen in that time frame. And it was all going to be spiritual, as I shared a few weeks ago. But they were all thinking, even even his disciples and the people, they were thinking that he was about to set up his kingdom, his physical kingdom here on earth, and 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 so they were kind of ready for all that. And I think the people were getting riled up that that this would eventually happen, um, start happening, and uh, that they would overthrow the Romans. And so after he comes in, and then that Passion Week starts and it was quite a time for testing for Jesus absolutely it had to be a time of testing but I'm sure that it was kind of a time of testing for the disciples as well as they began to see Jesus being tested and being tried and being kind of uh, things were different this week than they probably were all the other times oh they hated Jesus the, the the religious leaders they were always trying to do something to him, but this time was different. And I'm sure that the the disciples they sensed that as they witnessed um, all the testing, all the uh, things that Jesus would have to endure throughout that week. And, and Pastor Gary did an amazing job um, talking about or taking taking you through the, the Holy Week last week, last Thursday, as he took us right up to Monday, Thursday, um, and, and how that would be the, the, the command to, to, to kind of set up communion and to wash feet and to do that kind of whole thing. But, but that would be a crazy night as well in that 
um, it was just going to get out of hand in a little while after they, they went into the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus prayed and then the, 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 the multitude came or the crowd came to, to arrest Jesus, which took them right into, right into Friday. And even though we didn't have a, a Good Friday service, most of you understand that, that Good Friday was just one of those days, man, that, that here they are in the beginning of the week and they're seeing all this begin to unfold and, and thinking, man, here comes the king. All these are, are, are things are happening and he's kind of being tested, but he's having victory and, and, and these things are going on. They spend this time together and then one of their good friends betrays them, lead, leading into Good Friday. And it seems that as they come into Good Friday, all their, all their hopes are dashed. <laughs> As, as, as they've all scattered and Jesus is being beaten and, and all those things. And then all of a sudden, man, he's being crucified. And there was a few that were looking on and, and I'm sure the other ones, they, they knew exactly what was happening. But can you imagine what was going on in their minds and their hearts, you know, as their friend, their master, the one that had been teaching them all these things is now crucified and, Whatever hopes they had for his kingdom there on earth, man, they, they were dashed. They were gone. But Easter Sunday came. And Pastor Daniel did an amazing job. He just nailed it with the message that he shared. I got to listen to both of the messages this morning. The message of the resurrection is always an amazing message. Always, man. Just realizing that, that Jesus raised himself from the dead. You know, just just that all that stuff. And then and then how, how Pastor Daniel kind of took us into the Emmaus road and and the, and the thing that these two guys were walking and this other gentleman walking with them and they're not realizing that is Jesus. And and he begins to teach them everything. And and as Daniel was just talking about, you know, that and that and that. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. Again, just being there understanding what was going on. But I want to pick up uh, from that that night, that evening, after that whole story. And, 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 and then to take us to about a week later where one of his disciples would, would proclaim Jesus as my God or my Lord and my God. So if you will, if you're not there already, turn to John chapter 20. Now, as you are there or make your way there, let me, I just kind of want to sidetrack a little bit because chapter 20 is an important chapter for me and for us. But if you were going to write a biography about someone, their story would end at their death and burial for the most part. And you could picture the scene because you've seen the movies <clears throat> where where the person dies and and then the next scene everybody's dressed in black and and they're all at uh, at the graveside you know and there's a coffin and then it's raining you know and then the end and it's like usually that's the end of the story John chapter 20 is an important chapter because we 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 have something that's different because you see, the end of the story is 
for Jesus, Jesus wasn't an ordinary man. If he was an ordinary man and you were writing his biography, he would have ended with a tragic ending, you know. It would have ended up something like, here was a man who lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and he died a dreadful death, the end, you know. That, that, that would have been a tragic ending to that story. But John chapter 20 is what sets him apart from everything else and everybody else. If Jesus was an ordinary man, there would be no need for a chapter 20 of John. Oh, we still would have been talking about him, the sinless man who lived, and the good example that he was and all, and, and, and all the good works that he did. And we would have categorized him in the same places of, of Moses and, and uh, Elijah and, and Abraham and all these greats you know we would have pictured him and put him in that in that same boat you know we would have still been talking about him in that sense but it would have been weird because of all the claims that he made his claims would have been a little less credible if we didn't have something like this here and so chapter 20 changes everything and makes all his his claims legitimate and they make make his claims all valid and 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 official if you will legally binding in that case if we didn't have a chapter 20 we would be of all men the most miserable the most pitied it says in 1 Corinthians 15:19 because without the resurrection we're just like everybody else just like every other religion who still has their leader in the grave. But chapter 20 sets us all apart from everything. Chapter 20 proves that our sins have been defeated. And chapter 20 is a game changer. And so now that we're in John chapter 20, let's pick up in verse 19 to the end of the chapter. It says, Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his, uh, in his hands the, prints, the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of his nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the door being shut, 
and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Father, we do pray, God, that even as we kind of just follow along once again in in this portion of Scripture, Lord, that, God, you would just help me in conveying the things that have been on my heart for the last few days. God, that you would just encourage my brothers and sisters and that you would be glorified, Lord. Because, God, you are holy and you are good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So going back to verse 19, where again, you know, we, we, we pick up the story that now it's evening on that Sunday, that first day of the week. After all that had gone on that whole day, from the women going to the tomb and, and finding that the tomb was empty to the angel appearing to the guys running to, to the tomb and, and running inside and doing all those things. And then that whole road to Emmaus. All, it, it's been a crazy day. It's been a long day. But it's interesting because it it tells us that because of all that that was going on and stuff, that that when it was evening, everybody was together. All these guys who had been following Jesus, even after they had seen him during the day, they had come back together and, and been in this house. And it says that they were all together. and And it says, for fear of the Jews. They had shut the doors, and I'm assuming that they had locked the doors as well. And now they're all together. Maybe someone had heard something throughout the day. You know, the city was abuzz with what had happened to the guards at the, at, that were guarding a, a certain tomb. Maybe they heard that the Jews were now coming after his disciples. After all, they had been with him. They were part of his group. The religious leaders, I'm sure, didn't like that the fact that the body was now missing and they were, you know, propagating these, these rumors of what might have happened. And they're probably thinking, we gotta go, you know, and, and, and in their mind, they're gonna come after us next. And it's interesting because now they're all t- together, but fear, had gripped them. Excuse me. Fear had gripped their hearts. Even though they've seen Jesus alive, He's not with them right there. And they're fearful. They're gathered together. And it says that Jesus came and stood in their midst. 
And you often, and, and I don't know if you do this when you read stuff like that. It's like, how exactly did that happen? <laughs> you know, because if we were all huddled in here, kind of a little fearful of what might be happening to us or who might be knocking on our door. You know, if there, if there was that tension going on because of what's going on in, in our lives, because of what's just happened, how would this happen? You know, how did he appear? Did he, did he emerge out of nowhere? Did he just start materializing little by little and just like little particles coming together and, and all of a sudden did he, did he just like poof, you know, was it, why was it, you know, did he come through a wall? You're like, what? You know, because all of a sudden you're going, how did he get there? You know, all of a sudden, he's not there, and all of a sudden, he is standing in their midst, however that happened. And who was the first one that caught, caught a glimpse of him? Or were they all going like, are you guys looking what I, you know, how did it all happen? But can you imagine even kind of freaking out a little bit about that? Already, you're already tense, but that's now happening. I'm sure that, <laughs> that it could have heightened their their fearfulness as things are happening. And I don't know how my reaction would be. <laughs> probably like freaking out probably. But but again, it's just like, man. But Jesus, as, as He gets in their midst, however He does it, He gives them a very typical greeting. Shalom or peace. Peace be with you. I'm sure they're probably going, yes, thank you. And and I'm sure once they heard his voice, that fear that they had kind of probably just subsided going, it's Jesus. And I don't know if he looked totally different in their eyes, but they heard his voice. They knew his voice. And I'm sure that that their fear had now turned to rejoicing as we read in verse 20, that when he had said this and he had showed his hands and his side, that the disciples were glad, it said. They, they, they were overjoyed. There was this, this welling up within them that, I, I don't know, maybe they just felt, okay, we're, we're safe. He was dead, he's alive, and since he's alive, then he's all good, because they didn't have that kind of fear, it seems like, when he was there, when he was alive with them. And so in verse 21 and 22, where it says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What an amazing portion of Scripture. Again, I love this portion of Scripture. I know I'm going to say it, but it's one of my favorite portions. Um, because it's, it's just, you, you just see the, the authority and the power of Jesus as Lord and as God. As, as he shows up and, and he's there and, and he just commands his presence and he again, he, he says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You see, he had mentioned to them, mentioned these things to them before his death. And before his resurrection, when he was in the upper room, just a few days earlier, and he's teaching them all these things about what was going to happen to, to him, that he would be sending them out, that they would be doing greater works than he ever did. He, he had already told them about the Holy Spirit that would come into them. 
He had already pre- prepared them for all of this. And now He is about to implement all these things within the week of them hearing it in the upper room. But you see, they couldn't have have this couldn't have hap- this couldn't have have happened before Jesus, you know, resurrected from the dead because they were still living in the Old Testament before he he died and he resurrected. They were living in the Old Testament. They were living under the old covenant, and it wasn't until chapter twenty that the new covenant has now come in. Everything had had been part of the old covenant until Jesus resurrected from the dead and and now it's the beginning of something new it is the new age if you will he is taking them from the old testament to the new testament and now they can become born again and the church is being birthed right here and i love this portion and after he says peace to you he, 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 he says something to them. He tells them what their mission is going to be. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. To do what? Well, to do what Jesus did. To say what Jesus said. To give out that message that Jesus had, had given when He came on the scene where He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It they, they was now their job to go do what Jesus had, had been doing all along. And Jesus had already told them, you're going to go and do these greater works. And I have to leave so I can give you my Holy Spirit. That was the mission. They were to be on mission every day. They were not to go do mission. They were to be on mission. And they had been commissioned, sent out to be just like Jesus and to do just like Jesus. Jesus went out and they were now to go out. But they needed to be born again first. Jesus said that they that He would send the Holy Spirit to them. And now He would be with them. And He would be in them. And so it says that Jesus breathed on them. That just sounds fascinating because it just reminds me of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. When When God creates man and He creates him out of the dust of the earth, And He forms man. And it says that He breathed into Him. And He became a living being. In Genesis 2-7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. And in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the word for breath is also spirit. The breath of God in the first creation meant physical life. And the breath of Jesus into this new creation meant spiritual life. From that day, from that very day when Jesus breathed into them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
the breath of spiritual life that was breathed into this new creation would continue upon everyone who would be born again. From that day forward, everyone else would receive that. Just, just like the breath of the physical life was breathed into the first creation and it would continue upon everyone else who was born. Because it doesn't tell us that when a baby is born that, that God breathes into them. Life. Life. He doesn't do that. It's just life came after that. After the first man, when, when he breathed into them, they just became physical lives and they began to breathe when they were born. And the same thing happens here in the spiritual realm. And we'll see that even at the end of this chapter. That he breathed into these men and they became spiritual beings. But he doesn't do that with everybody like that. They just believe and they become spiritual beings. But here was that breath, that initial breath so that they would be born again. The Holy Spirit would now be with everybody in the world. But He would only be in everyone who receives Him. And then they would become born again. But it wouldn't be until the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit would come upon them in such a way that they would now have the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do the work of the ministry. In verse 23, it says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Forgiveness is forgiveness of sin is one of those major benefits of the death of Jesus. It is the essence of the new covenant to have your sins forgiven. And proclaiming the forgiveness of sins was one of the important things that the apostles preached in the book of Acts. Acts 2.38 Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was teaching the disciples, and by extension, the church as well, the privilege of announcing how a person can receive forgiveness. We have that message and we have that authority to be able to tell someone that their sins can be forgiven by receiving Jesus Christ. And that's what the disciples were doing. And that's what we get to do. To tell people, your sins are forgiven you. If one believes in Christ, then the Christian has the right to announce his forgiveness. And if a person rejects Christ's sacrifice, then the Christian can announce that a person has not been forgiven. Now, some have taken this to mean that certain people had or have the right to forgive sin or not to forgive sin. Like the priests and, and certain religious leaders. 
But no one can forgive sin except God. We, we can't retain somebody's sin or we can't, you know, tell them why you, your sins are not forgiven because I haven't forgiven your sins. No. Only God can forgive sins. And when He does, we can, we can announce it with, with boldness that their sins have been forgiven then. In verse 24, it says, now, now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to them, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands in the, uh, the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my, my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, this Thomas here, I, I kind of look at this and I go, you know, it's kind of a bummer that whenever somebody makes a little mistake, um, for the most part, it takes you a long time to live it down sometimes, you know, it depends on the people you hang around with. But with Thomas, man, it, it has stigmatized him throughout history. You know, he, 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 he had this little misgiving here that he's not going to believe until he sees it. He has this little doubt incident and nobody has ever let it down. <laughs> you know, he's always been considered doubting Thomas, but more than likely it should be better. He should be better known as unbelieving Thomas, skeptical Thomas or unconvinced Thomas, but we all know him as doubting Thomas. No, he, he just didn't believe. He, he was kind of skeptical of the whole thing. He didn't understand what was really going on. The name Thomas does mean twin, as it tells us here. But we don't know who Thomas's twin was. It's never mentioned. But I like what Warren Wiersbe says in his commentary. Who was Thomas's twin? We don't know. But sometimes you and I feel as if we might be his twin. How often we have refused to believe and have insisted that God prove himself to us. We, we, we can relate to Thomas at times, kind of going, oh, I, I get you, Thomas. I, I understand you. You know, there's kind of this, 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 I, I, I can relate to you, Thomas, because of his unbelief. Now, for some reason, Thomas wasn't there with the disciples on that first day of the week, that day that Jesus appeared to him. And it wouldn't be until that evening, again, that whole day he was gone because he wasn't there in the beginning, nor was he there in the evening to see them. And for some reason, he was somewhere else. He didn't get to see the resurrected Lord. And so Thomas, in essence, had missed the first church service ever when the church was get gathered together. He had missed it. Jesus had showed up to church that morning, that Sunday morning, that evening service even. You know, he was there. And Thomas missed it all. Now, it would be just about a whole week before Jesus would show himself again. And aren't we glad that that's not the case now? 
Although some might think that, that Jesus only shows up on Sundays and so that's the only time they, they really meet up with Jesus. But man, Jesus is there all the time. But in this particular instance, after that initial Sunday, that Easter Sunday, Jesus really didn't show himself until the next Sunday, the next first day of the week. But during that week, it says that the disciples therefore said to him, or they kept saying to him, we have seen the Lord. And I kind of find it interesting that he didn't believe them that whole week. Now, I know that guys can mess around a lot. Um, being a guy, being a guy who likes to mess around, we mess around with people all the time. But for the whole week here, as he's hanging around with these guys, and these guys had been hanging around for three years, and it's quite possible that they were always messing around with Thomas. And so when they said, no, we've seen the Lord, they're going, shut up, I don't believe you guys. No, really, we've seen him, man. This and this and this and that. He's going, I can't, I can't believe you guys. I'm thinking, that's kind of sad. That, that for the whole week, these disciples kept on telling him, we have seen the Lord and there was no way. And he, he, I'm sure told them time and time again, unless I see the prints in his, in his hands, the nails, the holes in his hands, unless I see, see the, 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 the gash in his side, I'm not going to believe you guys. Unless I see it, I can't believe it. Now, our, our mission is to tell others about who Jesus is and to show them who He is through His Word and through our lives. But it will always be the working of the Holy Spirit that will show them who Jesus truly is. But there will always be those people who will want to have proof. They want to see proof before they could ever believe. And in the physical realm, that will hardly ever happen, if ever, in the physical realm. Like we see here, but for us, we can see Jesus more in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm like this situation here. And it tells us in verse 26, and after eight days, His disciples were gathered, or were again inside and Thomas um, with them. Jesus came and the door being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, even with the kind of attitude, this kind of attitude that, that, that Thomas had, Jesus still showed himself to Thomas. And I, and I love the, the, the grace that he shows here. I love the, 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 the heart that he, he has for Thomas still. Je- Jesus could have waited until Thomas left again to show himself to the, the disciples. 
He could have he could have waited until he he left the room, maybe gone to the bathroom or something, and and then showed himself. And as he's coming back, he disappears, and and to where Thomas is going, I, I I can't see him. But he doesn't do that to Thomas. And again, one one would think, well, if if Thomas is going to act like that, why would Jesus even reveal himself to him? If he's going, if unless I see, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe until I see it. Notice that Jesus shows up again in the closed room. And I love the fact that Jesus knew the conversation that had been going on. He knew exactly what Thomas had been saying. And even maybe what Thomas was struggling with. I'm sure he knew all that. And Jesus does rebuke his unbelief. He rebukes him for not believing. Not so much from what the guys were saying, but the fact that Jesus had told them time and time again that He would resurrect from the dead. Jesus had, had, had prepared them for this time. And it wasn't that, that, that He was mad at Him because He didn't believe the guys. Jesus had taught them this. And they had all failed them. But He rebukes His unbelief. But he doesn't keep him from falling down on his knees and worshiping him. Now it doesn't tell us that he fell down on his knees to worship him. But how can you read verse 8 and not think that he just kind of like bowed down before him as he begins to call him my Lord and my God. And in this very comment here, Thomas is, 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 Understanding that He is deity, that He is God, that He is His Lord. How does He not fall down and worship Him? And, and, and when we see here that Jesus does not stop Him, He doesn't rebuke Him, He doesn't say, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. He allows Him to, to fall on His face and worship Him. He doesn't re- rebuke Him for any of that. And and Thomas believes on the spot. And he confesses with his mouth. And he believes because his eyes have now seen. Never tells us that Thomas ever reached his hand into his side. Never tells us that he got his finger and poked him where where the nails had been. He, He didn't have to do that doesn't say that he touched them anywhere, but I would say, man, he must have been wrapped around his feet just hugging on him, realizing who he is. That the Jesus that he had walked with for all these times, that now he is the Lord. He is the God that he is to worship. The confession that we hear from Thomas, who, by the way... (laughs) went from doubting Thomas to believing Thomas or convinced Thomas. That confession acknowledged his deity. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God should be the confession that we all have in our mouths all the time, continually. Understanding that that we serve a God who, who dies and resurrects from the dead. And nothing could ever hurt him again.
proving to us that he truly not just died for our sins, but he has forgiven us for all of our sins. He has beaten death. He has beaten sin. And we can have the confidence that he is our God and our Savior. Jesus never corrected him in any of this. Jesus never considered it robbery or something to be grasped to be equal with God because He was God. He was always God. He came in the flesh as God. Jesus may have changed form somehow, but He could never cease being God. Can you imagine the joy that filled the room in this instance, when all of this is happening, it's the kind of joy that, that fills our hearts when we come to that, that knowledge that He is now my Lord. He is now my God. He might be yours, but He's mine too. <laughs> that joy that comes into our lives and into our hearts, understanding that there's now peace with God. Understanding that we don't have to live in fear any longer. That we don't have to be fearful from, from what man can do to us or what this world will do. Because Jesus is here in our midst. He is always in my midst. No matter what I do, whether I'm doubting or not doubting, He is in my midst. Oh, He might rebuke me for my disobedience or my unbelief, but He will never cast me away. He loves me. He is my God. He is my Lord. And I get to proclaim that all the time, even through my struggles, even through the times that, that I don't quite understand why He's doing what He's doing in my life or allowing for those things to happen. There's a joy that can fill our hearts always because of who He is. And again, if He would not, not have resurrected from the dead, what kind of God would He be? Would He be my Lord? Would He be my God? If He couldn't even do that on His own. But He did. And that's why, as I was thinking about these last couple of weeks, as even as I was away, I was just kind of being drawn back to this portion here of when Thomas is going, you know, I, I just can't believe until I see it. And when he does, something happens in him that he cannot but confess my Lord and my God. And the joy that must have filled his heart knowing that Jesus was there. But the joy that was filling that whole room where everybody was now rejoicing that Jesus was there with them once again. And I love verse 29 where Jesus says to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. See, Jesus is talking about us here. You and me. You see, we've never seen Him face to face. We'll never see Him face to face on this side of heaven. We'll never have that privilege. We'll never be able to, to, to grab Him by the, by the legs as we bow down and worship Him. We'll never be able to do that. And yet, not seeing Him, we love Him. We have that faith that He is here with us. 
that His Holy Spirit, the one that He had promised these men so long ago, now lives in me. And even though I can't see Him with my physical eyes, I know that He is here in my life. The things that He has done in my life. Jesus shows Himself to me through His Word. I sense His presence because of His Holy Spirit in my life. Oh, I can't visibly see Him and I can't touch Him and I can't do any of those things. But He says that I am blessed because even though I've never seen Him, I still believe. I put my faith in Him, my trust. I adhere to who He is. In the Amplified, this portion says, blessed and happy and to be envied are those who have never seen me and yet have believed and adhered and trusted and relied on me. What an amazing portion. Reminding us that it's not over with Easter. <laughs> and, and I know that, again, we normally go back to, to wherever and we will go back to, to our, our texts that, we, that we've been in. But guys, let's not forget who He is. We get to confess Him always. We get to be in His presence always. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. You know, I, I find it fascinating that in this portion of Scripture, in the chapter that follows, that Jesus doesn't show up every day to them. And, and, and when they get to verse, or chapter 21, where all of a sudden Peter and, and the rest of the guys, Peter says, you know what, I'm gonna go fishing. It's been, it's been a while since Jesus had, 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 had shown up with them, and they began to kind of just go like, I don't know where he's at. I don't feel him. I don't see him. I don't know anything about where he's at right now. And when he says, I'm going fishing, he wasn't saying, hey, I need some time to R&R. I need some time, time to relax. He's just saying, I'm going back to what I know. And it wasn't until he took some of those guys with him and they were out all night and came up with nothing that, that Jesus is on the shore and he has breakfast for them. And then you have that whole scenario, that whole story happening. But it's not until the day of Pentecost. Fifty days later, from, from, from the time of His resurrection, that the Holy Spirit would now come in inside of them, or, not, or come, the power would come upon them, that they were, they were just transformed people. And they were never the same. Jesus would always be with them. Verse 30, it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. We only get what has been written for us in the Gospels. And that's all we need to believe. But Jesus did so many other things. So much more He did. But all that we really need is what we have. At the end of John's Gospel in chapter 21, in verse 25, He says, And there are also many other things that Jesus did. But if they were written one by one, 
I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. What we have here is all we need, guys, to live, to believe in His name, to be able to have that confidence that He is who He said He is. The things that are not written that he had, he's done, we don't need to know about them. What we do have is enough for us to keep busy for the rest of our lives and, and believing that we would be blessed because of what He has done already. Guys, I want to encourage you and continue to encourage you that even as we move on from, from Easter here, no matter if we're in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Jesus is the same. He is everywhere. He is with us. He wants to continue to encourage us to move forward, to continue to grow in Him and allow Him to do that in you. Amen? Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we do want to thank You and praise You, Lord God, for tonight. Thank You for the Gospel of John. We ask that, God, You would just truly be glorified in our lives, Lord. God, we've never seen You We've never seen Jesus. And yet, Lord God, You have revealed Yourself to us through Your Word in such a powerful way. Father, I pray that, God, we would never doubt <laughs> Your existence. Lord, and when the enemy comes and, and brings those doubts, that we would fight those doubts away, Lord. God, the times that we go through just difficulties, that we can't sense Your presence, Lord God, that we would never doubt that You are still there, even if we can't feel You, Lord. And so I pray, God, for my brothers and sisters tonight, Lord, that You would truly minister to their hearts and encourage them. Now, Lord, You will show up. You will know the conversations that they are having. You will know the struggles that they have had because You are our Lord, no, God, you know it all, Lord. We're so grateful for who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.